presents Calling All Cars with Noah Beery as Dr. Heinrich Mueller. Calling all cars, attention all cars. Calling all Contra Costa County Sheriff's cars. Broadcast 49, a murder in Walnut Canyon. Stand by for description of suspects. California City, two police officers in a patrol car are puzzled by the erratic actions of a big sedan traveling ahead of them. That big car up ahead's acting mighty suspicious. Slowing down at a couple of gas stations like he was going in. Yeah, that is funny. He always turns back on the road real quick and then speeds away. You suppose it could be that gang who's been holding up gas stations? Well, it sure looks queer to me. Hey, there he goes. Into a station. Come on. If the mug tries to stick up, we'll catch him red-handed. Get your gun out. And fill her up with crack, and you'd better let me have a couple of quarts of Sinclair, Pennsylvania motor oil. Hey, hey, don't shoot. Uh, what's the matter? What have I done? Well, now that I see who it is, uh, I guess it's a false alarm. But I sure thought I was going to stop a gas station robbery. You've been driving in and out of every station for the past mile. And I figured you were looking for one to stick up. <laughs> well, that is funny. As a matter of fact, I've been looking for a station and sold Rio Grande cracked gasoline. I won't use anything else in my car. Hey, hey there, uh, wait a minute. What kind of oil is that you're giving me? Why, Pennsylvania oil, sir. Well, I want Sinclair Pennsylvania oil in cans. I don't like to buy oil in bulk. I'd like to know what I'm getting. Open a can of uh, Sinclair Pennsylvania, will you? Yes, sir. By the way, uh, what do you officers know about this murder in Walnut Creek? Oh, you mean that scientist guy? Tonight, Calling All Cars is honored to have as its guest the oldest sheriff in point of service in the United States. Sheriff R.R. Veal of Contra Costa County, California has worn his badge of office for 40 consecutive years. It is with great pleasure that we introduce Sheriff Field from San Francisco. In a few seconds, you will hear the Dean of American Peace Officers, Sheriff Field. Our story tonight could well be called 
the perfect crime. At least that is what it was planned to be for the criminal whose career we will dramatize tonight. Carefully built the foundation of his crime for two years. He anticipated, as he thought, every possible clue to the police could find. But he was not careful enough. He was pitted against his mind, against the scientific mind of not one individual, but a legion of peace officers. He lost. He was doomed to lose before he started. You cannot beat the game. Before I say good night, I would like to congratulate the Royal Grande Oil Company on the great work their radio broadcast, Calling All Cars, is doing to educate citizens and taxpayers to an understanding of your peace officer's problem. We whose lives are devoted to keeping the peace are very grateful. And now, on with the show. the deep shadows are pushed aside by a twinkling beam of light. In his isolated laboratory, Dr. Heinrich Bühler is working late. The Mexican watchman, making his rounds with his little dog, peers through the window, sees the doctor's huge frame bent low over his retort, and hears the doctor humming an old German Señor, I am a poor man. 
Oh, of course. I I was just fooling, Pedro. I am a poor man, too. Oh, look. Here's all the money I have. Why, I haven't even a dollar. Look. Ninety-eight cents. That's all I have in the world. Well, senor, after tonight's work, you will be rich. Yeah, Pedro. After tonight's work, I will be rich. And then, perhaps I can get for myself a new ribbon for my watch, Bob. Oh, uh, did I ever show you my watch, Pedro? No, I think not, senor. Very interesting watch, this watch. I got it from my core mate at Heidelberg. Uh, well, but you wouldn't know anything about that, would you, eh? Nothing, <laughs> oh, oh. It's nearly nine o'clock. Five minutes of nine, to be exact. I must get back to my work. Si, senor. You may go home to bed, Pedro. Oh, muchas gracias, senor. Uh, come on, Perito. Oh, where is he, my little dog? Hmm, I don't see him. Oh, there he is, uh, sniffing at that locket. Hey, you! Swain! Get out! Oh, senor, you did not have to kiss me, Perito. Take that dog out of here. I'll never bring him around me again. But he did no harm, me, Perito. I don't like dogs. Now get out. Get out! On stay out. See, senor. Where the source is, senor? Stop. 
do. <laughs> mm, I hate to let you have Dr. Buddha, Dumas. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think I can get another one somewhere with the $200,000 worth of insurance which my wife will collect after my... Oh, pardon me, Buddha, Thomas. I mean, your body is disgusting. There. You look convincing enough to me. Dressed in my clothes, with my 98 cents on my watch in your pocket. Oh, you would almost pass for me as it is. Ah, but after you have been cremated, then, then, my little friend, you will be perfect. You stunned your turn. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, I nearly forgot one thing. One little fatal thing. You have all your teeth, Roderick Thomas. While I, unfortunately, am minus my left canine. Oh, now that would have been an error. But that's quickly rectified. Oh, this chisel on hammer will do the trick in just one second. Of Philip R. R. Beale of Contra Costa County is notified. 
He arrives on the scene with his son, Under Sheriff W.M. Beal, just after the doctor's wife. Well, Sergeant Senor, you are the sheriff? Yes, what's the trouble? Well, there is a fire, and when the fire clears out, we find it funny. Whose place is this? This is the laboratory of the doctor Muller. And who is the dead man? He is the doctor Muller. How do you know? Madre Dios, the doctor, you might talk to him just a half hour ago. Yes. Yes, sir. Phone to the coroner and take a look around. Okay. Who's this woman? That is Senora Muller. Oh, I see. I beg pardon, ma'am. I'm the sheriff. Is this your husband? Have you any idea how this happened? He's working on a new formula. The chemicals are explosive. Something must have gone wrong. Oh, I see. Oh, he was the best man in the world. A great scientist and a perfect husband. Of course. Will, will you send for the undertaker, Sheriff? Oh, it's so horrible. I never well, I'm sorry, ma'am, but we must wait for the coroner to arrive. The coroner? Why? He's dead. He was killed in his own laboratory. But he's dead violently, and in all such cases, the coroner must investigate the scene before the body is removed. Does that mean there must be an inquest? Yes. Oh, but sure, that's so unnecessary. I'm sorry, but it's the law. Very well. But won't you please get it over with just as soon as possible? Oh, you can stand much Yes, ma'am, we certainly will. Now I suggest that you go home and try to get some rest. Rest? Rest? What do you think I can get any rest tonight? Well, still, it would be more sensible than standing around here in the chill air. Please do, ma'am. There's nothing more you can do here. Very well. I'll go. That's right. We'll let you know when the inquest is to be. All right, sure. Good night. Good night. Get rid of her, Dad? Yes, why? I found some things that don't look right. What? Well, this, for instance. A half-burned Bible. It was in the wastebasket. Well? Well, Muller was a scientist. He never had a reputation for being particularly religious. Yeah, so I've heard. And the inscription in the flyleaf of this Bible reads, Brother Thomas Harwood, Holy City, California. Holy City? That's the religious colony down near Santa Cruz, isn't it? That's right. Let's ask that watchman about this thing. Hey, you. Peter North. You know a man by the name of Thomas Harwood? Thomas Harwood? Mm. Why, there was a man in the story called Brother Thomas. He worked here for a while. You know anything about him? No. Oh, he was a very religious man. He was like a saint. Where is he now? I have not seen him for one, two days now. Thanks. That's all for a minute. But don't go away. Oh, no, senor. I see right here. I found something else, Dad. What? Blood on an unburned board in the floor of the locker. Yes? Uh, it was dried. Probably a day or two old. I've chipped off a piece of the board. Good. You better beat it back to the office and analyze it right well, that's just what I'm going to do. There's something about this whole thing that just doesn't seem right to me. Under Sheriff Beale works long into the night, examining the sample of blood-stained wood. The next morning, he reports to his father. Well, Bill, what did you find? Uh, it's human blood, Dad, and it's at least two days old. Then we have a murder case on our hands. Right. And the absence of his brother Harwood looks mighty significant. Still, the watchman Pedro has a convincing story. With no proof. Harwood and Pedro may be Confederates in the crime. Well, you better check back on Miller's movements for the past few days and also take Pedro over to Berkeley and question him on Chief Balmer's lie detector. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Thompson, uh, see you. What does he want? I see Mr. Miller's return. Oh, very well. Send him in. Okay, Bill, you better get Yeah, right away, Good morning, sir. What can I do for you? I'm as new as attorney. Thompson's name. I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. Won't you sit down? Thank you. No, what is it? Sheriff, my 
circumstances about this case that requires an autopsy. An autopsy? Why? Anyone can see that the man is burned to death. It was clearly accidental. It was not accidental, Mr. Thompson, and the man was not burned to death. He was murdered. Under the direction of Under Sheriff Beale, officers investigate Dr. Miller's movements for the past week, while the Under Sheriff places Pedro in the lie detector's Berkeley Police Headquarters. One hour later, the young man reports to his dad. Well, Dad, I've had Pedro on the lie machine, and I, I believe he's telling the truth. Which proves what? Well, it proves him innocent. He's convinced that he talked to Dr. Mueller last night. Dr. Mueller showed him his watch, and Pedro described the watch, and the worn-out fog. Dr. Mueller showed him 98 cents and said that was all the money he had in the world. And we found the watch and the 98 cents on the victim. Right. Now, I'm convinced that Pedro had nothing to do with it. I'm ready to eliminate him and start searching for this brother Harwood. Oh, good morning, Dr. Lee. Uh, good morning, Sheriff. Well, I've completed my autopsy. Good. What did you find? The victim met his death by hemorrhage of the brain, caused by three heavy blows on the skull by some blunt instrument. How long ago were these blows struck? And the man has been dead two days. Yeah, but Pedro the Watchman claims he'd seen Dr. Mueller last night at 9 o'clock. Bill, I don't think the victim is Dr. Mueller. What? There's very great room for doubt. According to the statement of Mr. and Mrs. Carter, with whom the doctor had dinner last night, he ate spinach, beans, coffee, and pie. Yes, that's right. And I examined the contents of his stomach, and I found no traces of any of these foods. But Mrs. Mueller positively identified the body this morning. She pointed out that her husband had his left canine tooth missing. Well, now, wait a minute. The left canine tooth of the victim was knocked out after death. Well, I'll be a short-eyed turn, Chief. And furthermore, I've examined some of the unburned portions of the victim's clothing. They were soaked in inflammable chemicals. Mm, murders and then made into a torch. Yeah. Right. Now we've got to start all over again. Look here, Dr. Leach. I don't doubt your word, but we've got to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that the victim is not Dr. Mueller. Is there any portion of the victim's body that isn't burned beyond recognition? Well, yes, the right side of his face lay on the floor. Uh, any hair on it? Yes, I'm on the temple. Fine. What are you going to do, Bill? I'm going to get some of the combings out of Dr. Mueller's hairbrush and ask Schneider over at the university to compare them. That'll give us another check. Under Sheriff Beale manages to procure some of Mueller's hair from his military brushes and also to obtain a picture of the man. Albert Schneider, criminologist at the University of California, examines the hair and finds the combings are different from the victim's hair. The unburned ear of the victim is compared with Mueller's ear on the photograph and found to be dissimilar. <laughs> Through the aid of the San Francisco examiner, a dentist is found who had done work on Dr. Mueller's teeth. He examines the corpse and finds that the body is not that of Mueller. <laughs> Police now send their search for Harwood. An undertaker in Placerville is located who identifies the murder victim as Harwood himself. Friendless, itinerant laborer, and religious fanatic. $1,000 reward. Arrest and hold one Dr. Heinrich Mueller, wanted for murder. 36 years old, height 6 feet 1 inch, weight 200 pounds. Mueller is wanted for the murder of Thomas Harwood in his laboratory at Walnut Creek, Contra Costa County, California, on Thursday, July 30th, 1925, at 9 p.m. Mueller was heavily insured for the benefit of his life. $1,000 reward would be paid for the arrest and delivery of Heinrich Mueller to me at any place in the world. Arrest, hold, and wire at my expense. I hold warrant for murder.
Vile descriptions of Miller are sent to every police station in the world, while police are watching all railroad and bus terminals, steamships, docks, airports, and highways, while customs officers are scanning each person who crosses the Canadian and Mexican borders, newspapers all over the country are prominently featuring Miller's picture and description and asking their readers to look for him. and no trace is discovered of the fugitives. Public interest runs high, and the manhunt is the subject of conversation everywhere. So it's no wonder that as Mr. and Mrs. Stanford, owners of an apartment house in Oakland, are winding up an evening of bridge with the couple next door, that the conversation turns to the crime. Well, I think this is terrible. If the police haven't done anything about it. Done anything about it? Why, darling, you don't realize what a swell job we've done already. I was talking to my friend Ralph Pigeon. You know him, Eddie. He's a patrolman on the Berkeley Force. Sure, I know Ralph. Oh, uh, Ralph tells me that if it hadn't been for Sheriff Veal insisting on an autopsy, we would have buried that poor Harwood thinking he was Mueller. Yeah. Mrs. Mueller was anxious to get the thing over with. Sure looked like an accident. Well, how did they know Dr. Mueller did it? Looks like he did it all right. He skipped town. They found he'd drawn $900 out of the bank the morning of the murder. Yeah, and he had himself insured for 200 grand. And him an intelligent man, too, with an education and all. This don't seem possible with a fellow like that to do such a thing. Have you seen a picture of him, Stella? Oh, land sakes, no. I've been so busy getting these apartments redecorated, I ain't seen the paper for two weeks. All I know is what Joe tells me. Uh, if you ever get a look at the guy's picture, you think he could do it? Yeah. I'd like to get a look at his picture. Well, it must be around here someplace. Uh, what is that last thing he's open for you? Oh, it's right there by the Davenport. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you are, Stella. Uh, look at that picture. Certainly does look cruel. Mm-hmm. Why, Joe! Huh? Oh, what? Why, he's a dead image for Captain Spangler. What? Yes, look. Now put your hand over the lower half of the picture. See? The eyes are the same. Who's Captain Spangler? Oh, you know, that mining engineer from Mexico. He's always taken an apartment with us here every time he's been north in the last two years. Oh, yeah? Is he back? Yeah. yeah I came in town a week ago Thursday. Thursday? Oh, wait a minute. Mueller committed this murder Thursday night. But Captain Spangler's been acting mighty queer. Never acted like it before. I tried to talk to him yesterday about the murder. He walked right by me. He's rude about it. Said he didn't know nothing about murders and didn't want to. And a couple of days ago, when I went up to clean the apartment, he yelled at me to go away and leave him alone. Well, sure looks like this picture. Hey, you better call the police. Oh, but what if Captain Spangler isn't Dr. Mueller, but is really Captain Spangler? Why, they might sue us. Yeah, and if Captain Spangler is Dr. Mueller, you can go to the pen for harboring a fugitive. I'm going to call up Ralph Pigeon right away. Within a half an hour, a posse of police under the command of Captain C.D. Lee arrives at the apartment house. Captain Lee deploys his men around the building, covering every exit. Then he approaches the door of apartment number seven, where Captain Spangler is seated. I can hear someone moving around in there. Hit it again. Open up, Mueller. Officers of the law, I have a warrant for your arrest for murder. Come on, open up. Come on, come on, break this door now. Break it in. Hmm. Dead. Got through the temple. 
Captain Mueller, alias Captain Spangler, I guess this constitutes your confession. In the murderer's apartment were found timetables, railway tickets, and packed luggage. Every detail of the crime in the getaway had been carefully planned. But as in the case of all criminals, Dr. Mueller made errors. He failed to foresee what moves the police would make. He attempted the perfect crime and failed. There never has been a perfect crime in modern police history. The odds are against the criminal from the start. And the old, old bromide is truer today than ever. Crime does not pay. And now, in appreciation of the fine performance given tonight by our guest star, Mr. Noah Beery, I am authorized to enroll him as a member of Rio Grande's Junior Police Department. And Mr. Beery is to be more than a member. He is hereby given an honorary appointment as lieutenant of junior police. Mr. Beery, if you'll just stand up here close to the microphone, I'll pin this lieutenant's badge on you right now. Oh. Well, now, I, I do appreciate this. But I consider it a very great honor to be a lieutenant in a junior police force that has nearly 100,000 members. I think the Rio Grande Oil Company is to be congratulated on mobilizing so many boys and girls to help the police maintain law and order. I've heard of this junior police department, even out in the movie studios where I work. I think most of the child screen actors are now members and proudly wearing the real metal police badge. I understand that all members get safety training and learn to save lives. So I sincerely urge all youngsters listening in who haven't yet joined to get your mother or father to go to a Rio Grande cracked gasoline station and ask for an enrollment plan. They don't have to buy a thing. You get your police badge free, just like mine. Then we'll both be members of the same police force, and I'll be proud to exchange salutes with my buddies. Thank you, Mr. Beery. Ladies and gentlemen, a moment ago I quoted, crime does not pay. A particular crime that does not pay is the practice in some service stations of substituting a cheap bulk motor oil when you call for a well-known brand. Inspectors continually catch and find these offenders, yet thousands of motorists are robbed daily by this trickery. Your protection is to look for a Sinclair dealer because he sells Sinclair motor oils in tamper-proof cans and only in cans. And you can get Sinclair oils wherever Rio Grande cracked gasoline is sold. Calling All Cars is written and produced by William N. Robeson. This is your narrator, Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. Look out.